Hi, and welcome back to Dancing Dog Blog. I'm your host, Mary Haight, and back with us today is Dr. April Steele, our intrepid vet just back from the annual AVMA conference in Denver, where her practice, Tender Touch Animal Hospital, is located. We'll be talking about your dog's dental health, some disturbing news on the frequency of dental disease found in dogs by the age of four. Wow. And offering some possible pathways to prevention. Questions from listeners reveal the truth about some product claims. And we discover some methods and products that actually work to keep teeth clean. Hi, April. It's great to have you back with us. Hi, Mary. It's good to be here. Hey, I, I hear you just came back from the um, the big uh, annual AVMA conference in Denver. Yep, I, I did. It was a great conference. There's actually a resolution passed that's relevant to our discussion today. That's exciting. The AVMA passed a resolution um, supporting the importance of dental care in pets and dogs and actually giving some guidelines to veterinarians about proper performance of dental procedures. So that's a huge move forward for the profession. That is, and it's you know what's funny is like, People are probably saying, really? You didn't have yeah. that before? Yeah. <laughs> we assume you know, that you have everything that yeah. you know, human medicine has. You would think, but you know, veterinary medicine com- encompasses all different types of standards of care throughout the country, so anything we can accomplish. Oh, yes. It can be really tough to come to consensus with such a large group. What's happening that might help dogs keep their teeth for a lifetime despite bad genes? Anything out there? Yeah, there, there's a lot of things. You know, bad genes are frustrating and challenging understand how frustrating and unfair it feels sometimes. So uh, I think it's important that people realize that it's not their fault that their pets have bad genes and that there are things that they can do to help keep their pets' mouths healthy. And, you know, healthy mouths are so important because we're talking not just retaining their teeth, but comfort, lack of pain, which is to me, one of the biggest priorities of practicing medicine, um, and also the infection and how that affects other organs in the body. So um, genetically, there's a couple things that come to mind. One, which is something that is becoming more and more um, prevalent, and, and we're understanding the value of more and more, is that when we get these puppies in for puppy exams, and there are these little guys that are going to have a lot of growth in their mouth still, we need to make a very close evaluation of the alignment of their teeth and determine while they're still growing if there's something we can do, whether it's extracting a tooth in an abnormal location or extracting a lower canine. If the jaws, bottom jaw is too short, it'll start digging into the roof of the mouth and, and, and inhibit that jaw from growing normally. So we really do have an amazing opportunity we'll never have again when these guys are tiny and growing to uh, affect a normal mouth as they get older. And then also with um, some of the breeds that are predisposed to dental disease, one of the reasons they're predisposed is because they have this huge number of teeth crammed into this tiny little space. And those teeth are not only ineffective, but they inhibit saliva, cleaning of the teeth that happens naturally. So by getting those guys in and extracting one or two abnormal teeth in abnormal locations, we can actually allow the other teeth to be healthy and allow that dog to keep those teeth for a much longer period of time. So preventive care by looking at these teeth and seeing what we can do to help keep the as many teeth healthy for as long as possible is important, even despite bad genes. So over time, the best way we can care for our dog's teeth is by making sure they're checked every year. Yeah, so so two things. I mean, you're right, making sure they're examined 
especially as a little baby, but every year as well, because we start to, we do start to see problems. Over 40% of dogs at the age of like four have dental disease. So really wow. keep an eye on this. That's a lot. Um, it's a lot. And then the other thing is home care. I cannot overemphasize home care. And it's something that everybody has different levels of ability to perform. And there's lots of different things that can be done. Um, brushing the teeth is the, is the most effective. Um, there's chews, there's treats, there's dental diets, there's rinses that can be applied directly to the mouth or actually placed in the water. All of those things have a place and everything helps a little bit. Um, Brushing probably helps a lot, but it's probably the one that takes the most time and commitment. Um, when you have an animal with predisposition for dental disease, you really want to keep up on these home care programs if you want your pet to keep his or her teeth. What are some of the signs of trouble on the horizon, and what's the best path to prevention? Right. So... Um, Trouble on the horizon is, I think, the very first sign most people appreciate is bad breath. And if I could just make people understand that bad breath is not normal, <laughs> people are like, oh, it's dog yeah, breath. It's supposed yeah. to be gross. No, it is not. Um, you're smelling bacteria and you're smelling infection, and that's never normal. So if you are smelling an odor from your dog's mouth, take your dog to the veterinarian and figure out what really is happening there. Um, other early signs are a red line along the gum along the gum line right where the gum touches the tooth and you can lift your dog's lip up and visualize that and if that's a red line there that's not normal um, many dogs have black pigment on their gums depending on their breed and a lot of clients come in to me they just happened one day to lift the lip and saw that black pigment and are freaking out and that's normal so get to know what your dog's normal <laughs> right um, yeah. but if you see that red line that's not normal and then of course if they show any evidence of pain when they're chewing that's a huge red flag most animals don't I have seen animals come in with multiple abscesses on their teeth fractured mm -hmm. teeth with exposed pulp things that we would just be crying in the corner about and these dogs are eating and not showing pain. However, when we address that disease and we take away that pain, those animals are like puppies again. So we know that they were painful, but I don't think our dogs think, hmm, if I uh, show that I hurt, my mom is going to take me to the vet and get my tooth <laughs> So they yeah. eat, you know, it's very instinctual. But if an animal does show pain and chews on one side of the mouth or, or kind of winces, that's a really big deal because they that's not natural for them to even demonstrate that. And then the last thing that I see um, pretty commonly, unfortunately, is dogs that come in with a large swelling under their eye because an upper carnasal tooth has actually abscessed wow. and ruptured up there. And so people come in thinking that the dog got stung by a bee or has a, a bite wound, and it's actually a ruptured tooth up in that area. So, wow, that's amazing. Yeah. But if, you're, if you are brushing your dog's teeth on a daily basis, um, well, you're a very dedicated person if you're doing that. You're awesome. Number one, but yeah, <laughs> you'll get a prize. Um, you'll be able to, to feel uh, where there's a problem. And if you're touching or moving your finger with the gauze across the gum line and there's an abscess somewhere, you're going to get a reaction from the dog to pull away. You're going to get a reaction and be careful because and sometimes they bite without thinking. So. On. Yes, yeah. exactly. Automatic reaction. Um, uh, so you're kind of, you're pretty much catching it early right. so before it's if going to affect, you know, how the dog behaves. Right. And if you're in your dog's mouth regularly brushing, you are doing your dog such a great preventive care service. Um, 
do you want to talk about brushing a little bit and what that really means? Yeah. People, I think, have a lot of misunderstandings, a lot of myths out there about brushing a dog's teeth. Over 90% of dental tartar and plaque accumulate on the outside surface of the tooth. And by what I mean by that is the, the surface between the cheek and the tooth. Mm-hmm. So that's really where we need to concentrate our efforts. I have many clients who try to brush the inside surface on the tongue side of the tooth, and they get so frustrated. And dogs really, except for the exceptional dogs, don't tolerate that very well. Mm-hmm. So um, really all we're asking you to do is to brush the outside surface surface of that tooth and you don't have to do two minutes like we try to do for ourselves <laughs> it's kind of a, there's, there's basically a biofilm that builds up on the on the surface of the tooth and it's a highly organized bacterial colony and if you dis- just disrupt that colony's organization the saliva can then disperse that bacteria and, and get rid of it so really it's an in and out on each quadrant and then the front teeth, just in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out. And you really want to get along the gum line right where the um, tooth meets the gum. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that people try to do that I think works against them is they try to force the mouth actually open. And in reality, the mouth doesn't have to be open. I know that's counterintuitive, but you just need to lift the lip up mm-hmm. and rub in and out, and you don't have to open the mouth. So dogs resent this much less if you're just lifting the lip up, going in and out, using a doggy toothpaste, not a human toothpaste, because Mm -hmm. fluoride is not good and they will swallow it. Um, And we can get things like poultry flavored or, you know, fish flavored, things we would never consider using ourselves. And make it more enjoyable and palatable for the dog. But really, in and out, lift the lip, don't force the mouth open, and Really, and almost every single dog getting that outside surface is what's necessary. And do you happen to know uh, if there are still toothpastes for dogs out there with xylitol as an ingredient in them? Because there were a couple of years ago. Yeah, there are. And um, I can't believe they're not pulled off the shelf. I just don't understand. I know. And the companies that make them swear they're safe. And I, I, I encourage pet owners to make their own judgment on that. Yeah. Yeah. I would say no. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want a little bit of that. Thank you. Yeah. Um, now, what about um, signs of mouth cancer? What uh, does that look like in an early stage? Yeah, so I think this is really comes back to uh, a veterinary exam. So there are some things that people can see. They can see uh, an actual raised red or black lesion on the gum that looks just like a typical mass you would expect. But really, most of the times that I diagnose oral cancer, clients are coming in because there's a fetid odor coming from the mouth, and that's the only mm-hmm. clinical sign that they're, they're, they're noticing. Mm-hmm. And when I open that mouth and take a really good look in the very back of the mouth, the back of the tongue or the soft palate, that's when I often can pick up some real serious diseases. Um, Cats more than dogs, but we do see in both. Um, We see oral melanomas relatively frequently in dogs, and those are really bad tumors. So um, looking for those and uh, having your, at least once a year, going to your veterinarian and having them look in the mouth is really important. Um, 
it's also um, typical to see a dog get something called a papillomavirus lesion on their lip, and people freak out about these. So they look like little raised red cauliflower growths on the lips, the tongue, the gums, and that's um, spread by a virus called a papillomavirus, and it's common in dogs that are at dog parks or daycares. And those resolve on their own, and they can take three to six months. But I've seen dogs come in with 50 of them on their face. So they can be very disconcerting. And we try not to surgically remove them because by manipulating them, we release that virus and more can be created. Um, However, and this does sound gross, but if they're in a position where the dog chews on them, then we have to help them out and remove them. So it's People hate them. They look horrible, but they are benign and they do resolve. But they are contagious as well. Mm, to humans? No, not to humans. Go ahead, kiss your dog. You're not. <laughs> yes, I could not not do that. Um, okay, so um, now we do have some questions from uh, people who've been listening to these podcasts. Uh, some dental health notions that were pronounced uh, DOA long ago won't stay that way. We have a question from blogger Jody Chick, owner of Cole's Notes, the DIY dog at ColeCheckPuggle.com. And she does a lot of great recipes for treats. So this is a perfect person to be asking these questions. But she wanted to know, what do you think of the grain, carb, sugar-filled dental chews? <laughs> well, logically, <laughs> grains and carbs are not going to help dental disease. And there's a lot of treats on the market marketed for dental disease that really don't make a, a, a big difference or help with dental disease at all. We used to say for years that dry food was appropriate to help get the teeth clean. And we know now that that's not always the case. And some don't even chew their kibble, so um, it's hard to rely on that. Um, I will say that the exception is dental diets. There are not not the you know the grocery store dental diets, but there are a couple prescription dental diets that have some pretty amazing science behind them, and I am seeing amazing amazing results. Usually for these genetically predisposed animals that are having dental procedures under anesthesia every year. We're going two, three years between procedures with mm-hmm. some of these diets. And so um, you have to be really careful about what truly does help the teeth when it comes to kibble and diets. Um, the veterinary dentist, this is kind of a, a hard discussion I have with clients a lot. So veterinary dentists recommend you never, ever give your dog a treat that's hard, harder than your nail, your thumbnail can indent. And that's hard to convince owners when they have these big labs and, you know, German Shepherds, Golden Retrievers, where their life is chewing hard things. Um, And you have to find that balance between quality of life and fracturing a tooth Mm -hmm. and that Mm -hmm. risk. Um, But technically, if your thumbnail cannot indent it, it's too hard for a dog to chew upon. That would make all bones. (laughs) Yeah. You know, um, it it gets pretty, that list gets pretty exhaustive. So just use your judgment, understanding your risk there. Um, there are a lot of products with chlorhexidine in them um, that can make a huge, actually shown to make a really big improvement in uh, infection in the mouth and, and decreasing gingivitis and, and promoting dental health. Um, and some of those are rawhides, but when you get rawhides, make sure that they don't have formaldehyde in them because that's potentially toxic to dogs. Yes, I, I, I just don't. I kind of completely erased that whole concept from my brain when uh, my dog almost choked on one. So Yes, yes. I said, no, we're not having that. Yeah, <laughs> watch your dog and make sure you, they, they learn how to eat them properly. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> and she has another question. How effective are those plastic nubby fingered brushes? Would they, or say a clean microfiber or terry cloth, do a better job? It's an interesting question, and it depends if you're the client or the pet owner that is going to um, brush the teeth every single day, or are you doing it twice a week? Because if you're doing it every single day, that very sensitive biofilm that we discussed is all you're trying to break down, and anything you touch a tooth with, a Q-tip, anything, mm-hmm. is going to make a difference. But if you're not doing it every day and you're getting some slight calcification of that plaque, then you need something a little bit more abrasive. And you will be looking at things like um, gauze, toothbrushes, or, or something like a terry cloth, um, something with some nubs on it that can make it, that can really rub. And I think we, you know, the, the gauze actually can be more effective than those little plastic brushes because those are so smooth and soft. They don't really do a whole lot to get Mm -hmm. anything that's starting to calcify off of the tooth. But the reality is, and I think it's really, really important to realize is that once it's calcified, it's become tartar. That's actually a very well organized and resistant form of bacteria that cannot be brushed away. And that's when an ultrasonic cleaning by a veterinarian under anesthesia is absolutely necessary. And there are a lot of groomers that quote unquote clean the teeth when the animals are um, at the grooming facility for their grooming. Um, and that's a cosmetic procedure that's being done. It has nothing to do with what's happening under the gum line. Mm-hmm. You have to think of it that way. It's kind of like the difference of getting your your toenails painted versus getting bunion surgery performed. It's a it's cosmetic. It's not yeah. taking care of the disease that you can't see. Um, I will say, and I, I hope don't offend any of your listeners, um, but I see really horrible dental disease um, in dogs, most especially when they have been regularly having their teeth scraped by the groomer um, or um, someone else that feels like that's helping their teeth. And the reason that we see this problem is because that creates micro grooves in the surface of the tooth mm-hmm. that aren't polished out. And those micro grooves are great places for bacteria to cling on to, mm-hmm. to get into and to colonize. You can't brush them out of those little grooves. And the dogs that I see that have just bone loss and loose teeth. These clients are just flabbergasted because every time they go to the groomer, they're getting their teeth scaled. And I really think it's working against them, not for them. That's a great point. Yeah. It's, I haven't thought about that groove issue and non-smoothing and the, oh boy. Yeah, it's really, it's really serious. And, and, and people feel like they're, they're doing a service for their dog and it's a disservice. Just tell your groomer, you know, if you want to take a piece of gauze and wipe the tooth, that's fine, but please don't use any metal instruments on my dog's teeth. Um, okay. And we have a couple of questions from blogger Kim Thomas. She's the owner of Cindy Lou's Muse, uh, blogspot.com. And, uh, you have answered a couple of her questions because she wanted to know about the supposedly abrasive nature of kibble and treats and your point about uh, the specific uh, food created for dental cleaning yeah, uh, and so its usefulness is uh, an eye-opener. I hadn't heard of that before. Yeah, so one of the, some of those diets, what they do is there's, there's two interesting things. They extrude the kibble so it actually has a hollow center. Mm-hmm. So when they bite into that kibble, their tooth actually does go all the way through with an abrasive action occurring all the way to the gum line. Mm-hmm. That doesn't happen with normal kibble. Normal kibble just disintegrates when it's bitten into. It does mm-hmm. not create that abrasive nature. So it's kind of how the, the kibble is created. And then the other thing they do is they found a way to bind calcium. So um, bacteria needs calcium to form tartar. And once it's tartar, it becomes very permanent without ultrasonic scaling, which can get rid of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
So if we could keep that calcium out of the mouth, then that tartar well, doesn't form as quickly. And so this chemical binds calcium, but then when it gets to the stomach, the pH or the acid in the stomach makes it release the calcium, so then the animal can absorb the calcium that it needs. So it's a really neat way of addressing it, and I've seen it make a big difference. Otherwise, you're not going to, you can't rely on kibble to make a difference for dental disease in dogs. Mm-hmm. Another question she had, we did talk about different products uh, to use uh, with a, a safe active ingredient. She seems to be coming up with only one. What uh, uh, products would you recommend to clean teeth? Yeah, so I I don't officially represent any company, um, mm-hmm. but I, uh, I, I've had some success with quite a few things. So um, if you cannot brush your pet's teeth and you're, and you're not going to use a dental diet, there's still some options. Um, you can, there's a rinse, it's called CET rinse. It has chlorhexidine in it and it comes, it's a little bottle with a straw out of the top and you just squirt the straw into the dog's mouth once a day. They don't particularly love the flavor of that and they do squish it around a whole bunch Mm -hmm. Um, but you need to make it positive by giving them a treat or something joyful afterwards attention a walk whatever that is Mm -hmm. Um, and you can use that on a regular basis and for dogs with gingivitis and and recurrent dental disease I do think that that's a useful product Um, there's also some things you can put in the animal's water and I think this is the easiest there's very few clients that cannot do this Mm -hmm. and um, there's a lot of them out there on the market some of them have xylitol so be very careful um but there's one called oxyfresh that i really like it's a little hard to get um Mm. but it's very very effective and has great ingredients in it and the thing about to remember about these products are they go in the water and they have very specific um, directions like a quart of water needs one capful of the product and more is not better we don't ever want to create a water that has a weird smell or taste to an Mm. animal that makes them not drink enough water so don't ever over concentrate the product mm-hmm. um, and it's safe for all animals cats dogs whatever gets into the water dish so there's no worry about having to keep certain species away from it it's a really safe product and it can make a huge difference in the bacteria that grows in the mouth of pets with dental disease yes. and really, she oh, has a uh, shih tzu uh, cross with a yorkie uh-huh. and terrible teeth yeah what would ha- you know sh- she was asking what would help with the genetic tendency for dental issues and this seems to be a really good solution. Right. It's literally a solution. Um, but also, you know, dental cleaning under anesthesia is really probably the most important thing that can be done with these little guys with horrible mouths because what needs to happen, and the new AHA regulations actually state this, is that full mouth radiographs need to be taken in every single patient that's having a dental procedure. They don't have to be expensive. You know, it's something that we have, most clinics have digital dental radiography now, and it's not an ex- a huge expense to take these radiographs. But it's a paradigm shift that's happening within the profession. And we started, my practice started doing full mouth dental x-rays on every anesthetized patient about oh, a year and a half ago. And over half of the animals I radiograph have a tooth root that's fractured or abscessed that shows no evidence of it on the crown of the tooth or the gums. So those were things that we were missing in all of those animals. And until we do those full mouth radiographs in every patient under anesthesia, we're not going to be doing proper care for those guys and finding these things that are really painful and, you know, causing infection and, and kidney disease and heart disease. So when you get, when you do take your pet to the veterinarian and they do anesthetize your pet to do dental procedures, be sure to ask them, are you doing dental radiographs? Because some people, a lot of veterinarians haven't 
jumped on to that understanding yet. And once once you see what you're missing, you'll never ever go back to not to doing it without. And these little dogs with these genetic predispositions, like a Yorkie Shih Tzu, usually what's happening is their teeth are getting clean, but there's something just under the gum line that's not visible without these radiographs. Mm -hmm. And so it's coming back and reseeding constantly, and it's just never resolving. But when you actually find it and resolve it with a radiograph and then you take care of the problem, they stop coming back so frequently. Then you don't so have I, that problem yeah. of constant cost and constant problems exactly. with the dog. And, 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 yeah, and that helps people, you know, better understand where the treatment has been lacking. Right, and where the value is. And the value mm-hmm. is in taking those radiographs. Yep. So. so, and her last question was, uh, and we talked a little bit about this, too, was what role, if any, can diet play in dental health? Right. And like I said, a, a lot of a lot of diets out on the market will have a dental health claim with no basis for that. So just be a wary consumer. Um, and if your dog is having recurrent problems, talk to your veterinarian about truly finding a, a good diet, a prescription diet that might help if that's the way you want to address it. Uh, did you have a, uh, a myth out there that you would like to uh, put to bed? I guess it just I did kind of touch on it a little bit, but anesthesia-free dentistries are cosmetic, mm-hmm. not medical procedures. So Good. anyone who okay. feels like that's a medical procedure is kind of fooling themselves. Okay, and for listeners, you can keep the conversation going. If you'd like to know something about dental health, go ahead and comment away. And thanks so much for being our guest today, Dr. Steele. I really appreciate it. It was my pleasure, Mary. I look forward to questions. Thanks for listening. See you next time.